If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Amen. So let's take our Bibles now, and um, we're going to um, we're going to look at a few scriptures this morning. Um, but we've been in a series, and, and I was still in the earlier service that I thought last week that maybe I was summing it up. But the more I got into studies this week, I realized I need to extend this for a little while longer and, and name this this message: Why am I here? And and we're really looking at why are we here on planet Earth. What is our purpose? What is our place right here and right now? Because we understand that. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, the things that we've brought to light is number one, that as believers, we all agree on this, on, uh, hopefully agree on most everything, but you know, this one thing we truly agree on, that the most important thing that a human being can experience on this planet while they're here is to have a God encounter, is to come into a real relationship with God, to have the experience of being born again. All right, um, we're all born. We're all, I mean, the fact that you're here is evidence that you were born. But the moment that you were conceived was the moment that you became an eternal being. And you don't have a choice about that. The fact that you were conceived has settled the fact that you are eternal, that you will live forever. But you do have a choice about where you will live your eternity. And it will either be in the presence of Almighty God or it won't. It's that simple. And so we believe that the, that the most important thing for any human on planet earth is to come into a relationship with God. And that can only happen through his son. It can only happen through Jesus. Jesus clearly said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now, either he is Lord or he is a complete lunatic. I mean, he, he draws the line in the sand. He, do, he doesn't offer this, this luxury of us to just kind of categorize him in a, yeah, he's a good man, he's a prophet, he was a teacher. No, he says, no one comes through me uh, but through me. Right. Now, you got to deal with that. you got to deal with that statement, right? we got to deal with that truth. He's either Lord or he's a liar, but thank God he is Lord of all. Yes, right. Amen? Yes. And he is the truth and he is the way. And God has so simplified it for the world. See, religion and all those kinds of things, they confuse things. They confuse things. But God so loved the world that he gave the world one thing, his son. Right? Whoever in this world believes on him will not perish or go into eternal destruction, but will live forever. Now that is glorious. That is glorious. So we... This is the things that we covered. Now, the other thing was that last week we talked about what, how Jesus and how the scripture defines you. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Wow. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, which means that your personal relationship with God is not meant to just be personal. Right? I mean, people like to categorize their, 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 my religion, that's my faith, it's private, it's my own, you know, it's personal. But then, you know, I'll do other things. But as a, as a Christian, you don't have that luxury. You're a light. Right. right? Lights are meant to be put on display so that others can see. Jesus said, if you're with me, you're a light. Right? Amen. So it's not just personal. Your life is now a story. I mean, Paul later said that you are a letter. You're a letter of Christ. That is, others are reading your life, and hopefully they're seeing him. Hopefully they're reading about him when they read you. 
and your experience in your life, when you tell your story, see, your story is part of God's story. God does have a story, right? And it's continuing on. And that you, we've come to the chapter in his book that's about you right now, this time. Hallelujah. Your story is being revealed. It's being unfolded right now. That's an amazing, an amazing thought. Um, So I want to help clear some things up for you today. Maybe some things that you've been struggling with personally. And uh, I think that I'm going to be able to help you with some of these scriptural truths. Are you ready for that? You ready for the word? Listen to what Psalm chapter 139 says. I'm going to be going through a different, few different versions of the of the Bible here and along the way. But the Amplified says, "Your eyes saw my substance." This is David talking. He says, "Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them." That's the New King James version. Do we have the Amplified version of that? Or I could just read it. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book all the days of my life were written before ever they took shape. So here's the thing. David's life and your life are in a book. Now, David's life is in the scriptures, yeah, but David wasn't talking about that. God has books. That's really cool, isn't it? And uh, he has this book about humanity. And like I said, we're at that place now where your chapter's being written. And... I want to leave a good chapter. I don't, want to, I don't want to be the chapter where people want to just get through it and skip over it and go, huh, man, that was boring. Or, or wow, this guy, wow, he failed miserably. That's, you know, I want, I want to inspire when they read the part of my life. Are you hearing me today? So your life, as a believer, you're a light and you're a letter. So that means you, you're, on, you're on display to tell his story and to be his story. There's a longing in all of us to know exactly Exactly what is my story? Or, or how do I fit in God's story? I was watching the Discovery Channel some time ago, and they did this marvelous production on lions. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, it, it was absolutely amazing. And they followed this one specific lion from birth up through adulthood. And, uh, and they showed him as a cub, and he's rolling around the grass, and, and he's, he's, he's uh, scrapping with his siblings, and he's pouncing on his pop, and uh, his mother's grooming him. And, and, then, and then he gets a little bit older, and then he goes on his initial hunts, and uh, some success, but mostly failures. But he's learning, and, and, and as he gets older, then he, he finds a mate, and then he has cubs of his own. It's really extraordinary to watch the, the life of this lion. And then as he's older, his days consist of guiltlessly laying around in the shade tree in the heat of the day, under the shade tree in the heat of the day. And when he would go on a hunt, he would go with confidence and that he would, he would protect and defend his family with valiant effort. But something about the simple clarity of this lion got my attention. His life and his sense of being, untouched by the nagging questions of who am I or what should I be doing with my life, it sparked a little jealousy in me, I have to admit. I mean, I'm not asking for an uncomplicated life or, or, or not necessarily, you know, I, I'm not just asking for a simple life, but I like that clarity. That's what I'm after. This lion was just being what he was, a lion. 
We have a common phrase here at One Cause Church that we say, be who you are and do what you do. Right? No one can be you like you. That's why God created you the way you are. Amen. But, you know, that truth is simple in its thought, but, it, you know, life is complex. And things get crazy at times. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, he says, Now we see things imperfectly in a cloudy mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. So what the Apostle Paul teaches us here is that as we're here on planet Earth, we're looking at life kind of like we're looking into a cloudy, foggy mirror. You know, when you get out of the shower and the mirror's all fogged over, right? You, you see forms, but you don't see the details. You know that something's there because it's you. You see your silhouette, but you can't make out the specific features. This is the kind of thing that we're looking at. This is the kind of the way we're seeing things as we're in this body because this, this body's not perfect. It will be, but it's not. Only one part of us is perfect right now, and that's our spirit. But we're still working things out, right? We're working out the salvation, the scripture says. There, there was an article in USA Today in which adults were surveyed as to what they would ask a God or a supreme being if they could get a direct or, a, or an immediate answer. 34%. The largest percentage of the adults, 34%, said they would ask, what is my purpose in life? 19% said they would ask, will I have life after death? And 16% said, why do bad things happen? So that most commonly asked question, what is my purpose in life, it's very telling about us. It demonstrates that we were all created for a specific purpose and and one thing I love about being a Christian, because one of the primary values of our Christian faith is to settle the issue of the meaning of life. The Bible endorses people's individuality and uniqueness, and yet it also provides a clear understanding of what life's meaning really is. To know God, to love God, to give everything to God. Our whole heart, soul, and strength, our minds. So the question of purpose and meaning and place in this world is universal to every human heart. Right. However, the answer that your life does have a purpose or a meaning doesn't necessarily fix everything, does it? I mean, how many of you have ever heard God has a plan for your life? Right. How many of you heard it more times than you really care to hear of it? Right? I mean, you, you're bored with that thought, right? God, yeah, God has his plan for you. God has a destiny for you. God has, right? But that doesn't necessarily change it just because you know that's true. It doesn't necessarily change you or change your situation. Um, you know, because that question brings another question. Okay, then what is so irreplaceable about me here? What is my irreplaceable purpose then? Why am I here on this planet? Are you hearing me? Good. How many of you have ever taken a uh, personality test, assessment thing, you know, where you, like, you find yourself, you know, there's one that's a popular one that puts you in the category of the likeness of a certain animal, right? You're either a golden retriever, which that's probably somewhere where I am, I guess, <laughs> just happy to be alive and don't really know what's going on. But, 
Then there's this otter and, or a lion or a beaver, you know, and, and all their personality traits, and you can kind of find likeness in those things. But, um, and I think those things are good. How about the spiritual gifts test? Some of you have taken the spiritual gifts test. You know, maybe your church uh, provided that. I think we've provided that from time to time. And, and that's based out of, uh, you know, some passages of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians chapter 4, where you find the gifts of the, uh, of, of, of the Son, right? Jesus' gifts, the, the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And then there's the gifts of the Spirit, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy. Uh, then there's, there's gifts of healings and miracles and helps and all those kinds of things that we find. And so we find like, okay, this is, this is, this is me. This is, this is the, the gifting that I have. And like I said, I mean, I've participated in lots of those things through the years. And I do think they're helpful. But as many, I think, have discovered their personality and their gifts or their passions, I also believe that they come to this realization that they end up with the absence of joy at the end of it. Because maybe some of you have been made to feel, you know, if you take something like that, a sense of guilt for feeling, you know, really so little about the list of what the truly spiritual are deeming important. Right? And so you kind of find yourself distanced and not related. You can't really relate to that. So you look at yourself and say, well, you know, Maybe I'm just not spiritual enough. Good. So it can all be very confusing, and it's, and it's really, if it's really that easy to discover our purpose and our calling, then why does it feel so hard? Right. Why is it so difficult? Why don't these methods really work? Yeah. Come on, am I talking to anybody today, or am I all by myself up here? All right? But here's the thing. Part of the problem is, especially in the church world, that we've equated understanding with attainment, yeah. right? Like you, you get your education, you go to university, and you, you um, acquire uh, your, your education. You, re, you go through the, uh, you learn the required material, I should say, and you attain your degree. But life isn't always academic, right? right? Yeah. It's deeper than that. It's because, you know, understanding the components of a good marriage doesn't automatically make you have a good marriage, That's good. right? Understanding a good principle, uh, you know, money managing principles doesn't make you a good money manager just because you have the understanding of it, right? right? So knowledge really isn't, really isn't the problem. It could be. I mean, you need to get it. <laughs> Scripture says that. Get knowledge, get understanding, get wisdom. But, you know, understanding your complexities and your personality and your gifts, that won't necessarily thrust you into a meaningful, purposeful life. There is a depth to your life that cannot be released, I should say, or even entered into through analysis or tests or goal setting or raw determination. Understanding alone or even as the primary approach cannot do the job. Maybe you have found this to be true for your life. There are a couple of misleading ideas in which people try to navigate and these ideas have taken them off course in the pursuit of their calling. And one of those ideas is that is misleading is that your calling or your purpose is to find the right job or the right position. And this is very troubling, right. and it's flawed at best. Right. Because here's the thing. 
that first this puts your calling into the hands of another person. And, you know, some level of corporate or church leadership or, you know, whatever that might be. I personally, I'm being a pastor and for the time, and I'm, my dad has experienced this way more than I have, but have had many individuals that tell me that they were called to, you know, a, cert, a position in, in my area. And so there's this silent pressure, if you will, that I'm now the gatekeeper to the fulfillment of the, their purpose in life. Right? But if, but if we go a little further with that logic, what that means is, is that if I have the power to give them their calling by offering them a job, then I have the power to take it away. Right? I mean, who's calling us? Your calling or purpose is, is not determined by the mood or opinions of authorities or job market or the economy. You know, too, too many people use these excuses for their small, unfulfilled lives. Your, your calling from God cannot be fully contained or fulfilled by doing a job or having a position. The weight of your life is not defined by a list of functions or tasks. Are you hearing me today? You know, in almost all jobs, after a while, you kind of get the job down, right? And once you get the job down, then you don't have to think as hard about it. And when you don't think as hard about it, then you kind of just go half-heartedly about it, right? But, the, but God requires all of you. He wants the purpose of your call, the calling of your life requires your whole heart. Listen to Colossians chapter 3 in the message. It says, work from your heart for your real master for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always, everybody say always. always. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. Amen. So your calling then is to live for God. And that job or that position is just another opportunity to fulfill that call. Amen. All right? That's not the call. Your call is Him. Right. That's good. Amen. And, and the secondly, if, if finding your calling is, is, is limited to or found in a job or a certain position, and what's the average job? 40 hours a week? So what are you doing when you're not doing your calling? In those off hours? Are you just, I'm off of God's plan for a while until tomorrow at 8 a.m., right? I've clocked out of my calling today, Right? So it can't be limited to that. It can't be limited to, I mean, if you, you know, maybe you want to volunteer in the church, and, and I pray that all of you do some, some way or other, right? <laughs> One amen. Okay. Uh, anyway. <sighs> maybe it's, you know, ushering or greeting or something like that. And, but, but then if it's limited to that, then you got like two hours a week fulfilling your calling, right? Then what do you do with all the other time? Hmm. So but while some have been misdirected by the idea that finding your calling is finding the right job, others have also been sidelined by the belief that their calling is to be like Jesus. We wear the bracelets even, right? Or used to. I don't know. What would Jesus do, right? 
And, but let me, let me say this. People have been paralyzed by this belief. You know why? Because a lot of people believe to be like Jesus is to be moral, is to be a good person. Here's the problem with that. Why did Jesus come to earth? For morality's sake? I mean, Jesus' purpose here was far greater than just being sinless. Right? And if your goal concerning trying to be like Jesus is just to be morally good, you are falling way short of the mission of Christ. Amen. I mean, we, we know that we, we, that we should be like him, but what is Jesus like? Right? Paul, I mean, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So we understand that God's purpose for us, our life, is to be like his son's life. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So we understand Jesus definitely had a purpose and he definitely had a calling and that was to bring life to people. All right? So even in his first public statement, if you will, concerning the mission of his life, we find that in Luke chapter 4 and verse verse 18. And what happened was Jesus is going to the synagogue as was, or to the temple as was his custom, the scriptures. You know, Jesus had a habit of going to church. That's pretty cool, huh? He didn't walk around going, I don't go to church. I got me. (laughs) Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. (laughs) Me and Jesus, we're all right. I heard a great sermon today, and it was me preaching. Uh, anyway, okay, I'm done with that. So, but the, the cool thing about this is this certain day Jesus comes in, and there's, a, there's, a, there's an order to reading in the synagogue. You don't just go, and pay, I feel like Joshua today. No, there's a ruler of the synagogue who hands you what you're going to read, right? Now, this is the miracle of this whole story, that Jesus comes in this day at this appointed time, and they hand him Isaiah. We're in Isaiah right now. So Jesus goes and finds the place where it is written. Now, he didn't just go find the place because that's what he felt like reading. He had to find the specific place where the last guy left off. The last guy left off, and you found it by a mark on the scroll. This is really powerful. So Jesus just happened to walk by chance, by, (laughs) but no, none of this was by chance. This was by God's plan. Walks in this day, they hand in the book, and look at look at Luke chapter four. Look what he goes to read, verse eighteen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the scripture says when he read it, he closed the book and said, today this has been fulfilled in your eyes. This thing that you've been reading all these years about, today it has come to pass. Isn't that extraordinary? But Jesus told us that, All they've been reading about was his mission statement. 
his life purpose. They've all been reading for generations and generations, and now here he is to accomplish what he has come to do. That is to preach the gospel, to open blind eyes, to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to set people free. Yeah, I'm here. The word is alive right now. The word is here among you. Isn't this powerful? So Jesus' life then, as well as yours, is not about the absence of sin, but rather the presence of the Spirit of God. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for this mission. Right? Amen. So we're absolutely to be like Jesus, but his morality is not to be our goal. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. That is, I want his mission. Jesus was a man of purpose and passion. And we're being transformed into his image. So your calling is much more than just being good. All right? I mean, how do you... How do you navigate, though? How do you navigate these, off, these oftentimes hostile waters called calling and purpose? How do you become your true self? How do you find your passion and your purpose? Because here's the thing. We, we tend to look for definitive actions, Right? A position or a place that we can call this is God's will. Right. We want a precise, easily understandable answer to the question, what am I supposed to do with my life? But the scripture does never allow that for us. But the scripture does say some really cool things. And God says in Psalm 32, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. I like the way that reads because I get that. Especially, married people understand that, right? You're at a party, you're somewhere, and your spouse is ready to leave, and she catches your eye across the room, what does she do? <laughs> right? She's guiding you with her eye, right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> God says, I'll guide you with my eye. Philippians 2.13, Paul says, it is God. Listen to this amplified version. This is so good. It is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire. That's awesome. He gives you the power and he gives you the desire with energy. That's powerful. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction. So what, with God in you, he's at work giving you the right kinds of desires. He's giving you his desire so that you will fulfill his call. That's why we fall short many times. We say, oh, God, give me a heart for the lost. Oh, God, give me a heart for the broken. Oh, God, hey, no, 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 stop that. You get a heart for God, and you'll get his heart for all of that. All right? Just get a heart for God. Just desire him. He's, he'll give you the right kind of desires. You have to pray for those. Amen. Amen. That's good preaching. And God's calling on our lives, thank you, Randy, God's calling on our lives, listen to me, is far more mysterious than it is mechanical or practical. And that's, that's kind of the part we don't like. That's good. 
right? I mean, because if God were to lay it all out for us, think about it. If he laid out every step along the way, and if he, if he showed you which day you're going to do what and at what time and, and what door you're going to walk through, what person you're going to meet and how that's going to work out perfectly and that's going to help carry you a little bit further and, and, wh- and where, where his encounters are going to happen along the way, if he laid all that out for you and you began, guess what you won't do? You won't come back and talk to him anymore because you've got it all figured out. But see, he unfolds his mysteries to us along the way so that we get to a certain place and we say, okay, God, what's next? So that we'll continue to come back to him and develop this relationship and grow in our communion and fellowship with him. See, that's why God created us in the first place. Why? Because he loves us. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants you to come and talk to him. He likes when you come and talk to him. He misses you when you're gone. Huh? You don't want to be. You don't want to be like Adam. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to hear God say, "Eric, where are you?" We're not here at our meeting place. I don't ever want to be accused of missing that. I don't leave God. I don't want to stand him up. Huh? And along the way, he unfolds his mess. See, God has these secrets, ladies and gentlemen. God likes to hide things. Not so that we won't find them, but we'll find joy in the searching and the discovery of those things. How many of you ever hunt, hunted Easter eggs? Right? And, I, and being a parent, it's awesome, Right? Because I want to I put the eggs in very strategic places, but I don't want to put them in so strategic of a place that they can't find them. But I like them to have to look a little bit harder. Where did we get that nature as fathers and mothers? Huh? The scripture says that God is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Right? He wants you to dig. He wants you to ask and you will receive. Seek. And you will find, knock, and the door will be opened. This is all about our pursuit of him, right? But look, at here's the, here's the cool thing about it. You always get results when you do it. He wants to reveal himself to you. I love deer hunting. That's one of my favorite things in the whole world. And I've done it for many, many years. I don't know if I'm good at it, but I have killed a lot of animals. But one of the things I love about it, see, the thrill is in the kill, But the reason there's a thrill in the kill is because there is time that happens before the actual moment where the the trigger's pulled. It's this waiting. It's this wondering what's going to come out of the woods and show itself from hiding. And as I'm putting myself in that place, I find myself that when I'm out in the woods, I'm outdoors, that that routine there is minimal and mystery is abundant. Because you just never know what you're going to see. Now, I've had experiences of things I've seen, and, but, the, but the hunter's after something specific. And as I'm sitting there, my imagination starts going wild. Because I start imagining the kind of deer I'm going to see. And I never imagine some little scrawny ribs poking out, half an antler hanging off its head, head dangling, <laughs> moseying in and looking up to me and say, please kill me. Right? Now, I've had deer like that come in, but that's not what I imagine is going to happen, right? I'm seeing what we call wall hangers, right? A trophy. And in all those years that I've killed deer, now, we eat what we kill. We don't just go out killing them. 
we eat all of it. But uh, in all those years of killing, lots of, lots of deer, maybe two wah hangers. Maybe two. One for sure, the other one is debatable, but it's on my wall anyway. <laughs> and my wife painted it baby blue. It was just the skull thing, and, but then I had to repaint it because we don't do that. Anyway, <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> oh. Um. See, what helps, what, what causes, what, what would help you to be able to think bigger than what you're thinking? It's, it's the kind of environment you put yourself in. And let me just sort of remind me of your environment as a believer today. Paul said there was a mystery that was hidden through the ages that God revealed to me. And that mystery is now your reality. As you sit in this room today, if you're a child, if you're a believer, if you've put your faith in Christ, this is your reality today. Christ in you. Now, with that understanding, with that environment, think about it for a moment. Christ in you. God's not, he, it's not Christ out there in the cosmos somewhere. It's not the man upstairs. Christ in you. Think about it. I mean, if we could just be aware of that truth, oh my God, anything's possible then. Anything can happen. Any hidden mystery could just reveal itself. See, God has caused us to have these. See, you're a child of God, and God in the very beginning of time spoke, let there be light. Guess what happened? There was light. Well, how do, I mean, isn't that kind of a mysterious thing to say, though? And that's just a, that's just a general statement. <laughs> Let there be light. Right? What does that look like? Well, then the Spirit then revealed that mystery, what light was. See, the Spirit was hovering over the waters at this time. And then when God began to speak sun, moon, stars, then the Spirit began to reveal the substance of those mysterious words. It's powerful. So because the Spirit is the revealer of God. The, spirit, the scripture says that he's the one who's going to guide you into all truth. He's the one that's going to teach you all things. He's that inner compass of the truth. He keeps you true north to the truth. He's the one that helps you understand things that, that otherwise you could not understand them in and of your own strength. He's the one that reveals the mysteries to you. This is why it's important that we go hunting in the scriptures and we began to see these things, and we realized that sometimes these things are hidden from us, even though we're reading about them, but we're not necessarily experiencing those things. These big ideas that God is on our side, that, that, that God is able to make all grace abound to us, that God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, that we really are the righteousness of God in Christ, and that Jesus took away all of our sins, and that we're forgiven. And when those are big ideas, and sometimes we read them, and we feel hidden from them, we feel like those things are hidden from us, but I want to encourage you to continue to hunt, continue to put yourself in the environment of his word so that you'll start to think big, so that you'll start to believe for bigger things, so you'll start expecting to see these mysteries revealed in you. And one other thing, let me just say this, and I'll finish with this thought. One of the, one of the 
keys to unlocking the mysteries of God. It's this real interesting process. And to this day, it baffles me that God chose this, except it was part of a redemption, his redemption work. And that is the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, some of you right there went, eh. But I want to give you a scripture right quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. This is a powerful verse of scripture. It says something awesome. It says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, let me ask you a question. Because tongues is already mysterious enough, right? I've been speaking in tongues all my life, and I still go, what the heck is this? Right? Because it's, it's, the scripture says that the mind is unfruitful to this, right? So it cannot be comprehended with the mind. It can't be reasoned out. That's, that's why a lot of people are missing this in their life, because they're trying to understand it with the natural mind instead of just walking by faith. I mean, think of it. Oh, that's just too weird for me. Okay, that's too weird for you, but you'll believe that God put on an earth suit, came to earth, died on a cross, and by what he did, he took away all your sins. You'll believe that's not weird, though. I mean, the whole thing is weird, right? The whole thing is my mystery. Why don't we exclude some mysteries and embrace some others? Because we're just not comfortable with it, dadgummit. Let's just be honest. You're just stubborn, right? Because you're uncomfortable, because you're scared. Let's just be real. Huh? Anyway, but it says he speaks mysteries. Wow. Well, why in the world would we use this mysterious process to speak mysteries? I mean, aren't we getting further away from reality in this? <laughs> you're speak- why? What's the point of speaking mysteries, especially if you don't even understand the mysteries that you're speaking about? What's the point? Because you're made in his image. And when God spoke, the Spirit revealed the mystery. So when you speak, made in his image, the Spirit begins then to reveal the substance of that mystery. See, our lives follow our words. Whether you like it or not, you are where you are because you talked yourself into where you are today. This morning you got up and said, we're going to go to church. And right now, you've already talked to your spouse or somebody said, we're, we need to go eat. I wish this guy would be quiet so we can go eat lunch. Where are we going to go eat lunch? Right? Some of you aren't talking out loud. You're texting each other, right? <laughs> like the preacher doesn't know that stuff's going on, right? Yeah, you've already checked how many Instagrams and Twitters and all. I mean, you've, you've, been, you've just been rolling in it right now. I, I know that stuff happens. Think about this for just a moment. The Apostle Paul, how many of you believe that this guy had some great revelation? And I thank God for him. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he's the one who, wow, Jesus spoke a mystery to him from heaven. And again, God spoke. And you know what he said? You'll be a light to the Gentiles. Here again, God is saying light. But what does that look like, God? so mysterious. A light to the Gentiles. First of all, you know I'm a Jew, right? You know that we don't mingle well. We're oil and water, basically. A light to the Gentiles. 
But the scripture says, Paul says, he tells the Corinthian church in that same chapter, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Well, how can he know that? He must have done it all the time to be able to say, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He had to have done it all the time. Now listen, there's got to be a connection then between him speaking those mysteries and those mysteries being revealed. Much of the New Testament came from a man who spoke in tongues all the time. And we like the truth of the scriptures, but that tongues thing gets us. Why get caught up? Why, why let that be the thing that would keep you from experiencing all God has when there's so much to be known through it? Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm with you. It sounds crazy. I know. I don't do it because it sounds crazy. That would be a reason not to do it. I do it because I understand the power of it. And I want those mysteries revealed. And it's another avenue to talk to God. Say, who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Hello. It's one more way to pray. Why wouldn't we want one more line of communication to God? Come on, smile at me. Amen. So Paul then, and then as along the way, what does this look? What does this look? How is this mystery going to be revealed? Well, Paul learned that he's going to travel. And the mystery became revealed as he began to establish churches. In a vision, a call to Macedonia, and start over in Philippi on the western part. Thank God Europe got the gospel because now all of us are blessed because he went west. But the mystery was revealed along the way. It didn't happen in a moment in time. It happened in a process of time. All right? So if Paul, who has this hidden mystery given to him, and then also saying, I only know in part, then you can chill out a little bit, right? About trying to know everything concerning your call and purpose and just understand that we walk by faith. We don't get, we don't get translated by faith, right? We don't get from point A to point B, but we, we walk. What's that? It's just a step at a time. That's how you walk. Amen. Is this wonderful or what? So your purpose here then in this world is very mysterious in, in, in essence because God is involved. But he's not there to just be a secret keeper. He's there to be a secret revealer. Mm-hmm. He wants you to have the kind of life that he's called you to have. He wants you to experience joy beyond what this world could give you. Good. Not something that happens through happenstance, but a joy that is here. Yep. That when you get up, you're smiling. I don't know why I'm smiling. I don't know why I'm so happy. It's, it's Christ in me. Anything's possible today. Hey, maybe it was a bad day yesterday, but his mercies are new today. Amen. Start, you get a new start. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father, I want to say thank you for all of these beautiful people that are here today. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.